Good morning. You have your Bibles. Find uh, Ephesians chapter 5 this morning. Praise God. I had these, uh, my dad had all his siblings moved away. He was the only one on his side who stayed around here. And so these cousins would come visit and their parents were from around here, but they moved off to sophisticated places like Washington, D.C. and Richmond, Virginia and Wilmington, North Carolina and became all citified. And so we would like it when they would visit because we would torture them with country living. <laughs> it didn't take much. You know, it really didn't. Like we, it was this hill. My grandma lived right over there in Harmony, Virginia. You get to the end of Wisdale Road, take a right. She lived right there. There used to be a dirt road over there. I had a really sharp hill at it. And we would take shovels and put, uh, hold the handles on our feet and ski down the dirt road hill. Well, we take people who didn't know what they was doing and get them all scarred up, you know, just, just by natural occurrence. And, uh, cause you're going to fall. Well, we was doing that one time and one of my brothers found like eight beer in, in, on, in a bag on the side of the road. And he thought it'd be a good idea to get one of our cousins soused up and going down this dirt road hill on shovels for skis. Well, of course, he got all banged up and he was inebriated and we went back to face my grandmother. Yeah, whoever said that, that was like an amen, uh-oh. My grandma beat the brakes off of you, reinstall a new set, and then beat them off of you. <laughs> and I, I'll never forget just that being one of the funniest times of my life of my cousin trying to just stand up there and explain himself to her. And she says, you know, have you been drinking? No, I, I just failed sometimes, you know. <laughs> and she was one of those teetotaler, you know, Baptists, uh, where... Not just don't drink or don't get drunk, but it was an outright horror. And so in that case, he could not explain himself. All he could do was say he was sorry while he was getting some switch marks to match his bangs and bruises. I learned something that day. It's hard to explain why you're drunk. Well, I, I grew up to be a drunk. I can tell you that's my story. I was, you know, they say, and it's, it's funny, but it's true. They say the difference between an alcoholic and a drunk is the alcoholic knows he needs help. Drunk just don't care. I was a drunk. I didn't care. My wife says she'll tell you. People would try to help me, and I'd say, hey, I don't care. I just did not care. Well, I've got to this place these days where I'm, I'm still a drunk. I'm just drunk on something else. Somebody say amen. Amen. And now these days, I'll tell you, I'm not going to say I'm sorry. But I will apologize. That was the difference between me and my cousin. He couldn't, he couldn't explain himself, but he just could say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He just kept saying, it didn't work with grandma. I'm sorry it didn't work. She still told his, she turned the word E-L-M, elm, into a two-syllable word. Get me an elm switch. <laughs> and she tore his behind up. All he could do was say he was sorry. She wanted an apology, a reasonable explanation for your behavior. Well, I'm going to tell y'all what, I hadn't drank a drop since March 2nd, 1997. If God will be with me, I don't ever want another one again as long as I live. I'm not judging people who drink, I'm judging myself. I got no business drinking. I was out of control. But I've been drunk since that day. And I'm not going to say I'm sorry, I'm just going to apologize. The word apologize in the Greek means to give a reasonable defense. 
my reasonable defense is I replaced my being out of control with alcohol to being out of control with the Holy Spirit. And I'm telling you, that is the normal Christian life. And some of y'all saying, I ain't never drank a drop in my life. Well, I'm still talking to you. Get over yourself. (laughs) Y'all might not have ever been out of control because of alcohol, but some folks in here have been out of control because of pride. Some folks in here have been out of control because you're a shopaholic. Oh. (laughs) You do know it was Black Friday, right? (laughs) Some of y'all are vacationaholics. Some of y'all are hairdoaholics. Some of y'all should be. <laughs> the broken human condition can find a thousand different things to be hung up on and to be carried away with when what God calls us to do is to be filled with the Holy Ghost and under his control. And maybe I haven't named your problem, but trust me, you got one. Or if you're anything like me, you got multiple. I, I, I have been angry all my life. I've told y'all that before in a revival meeting. I can't even explain it. I, I feel like I was born angry. And sometimes I'll struggle with anger and don't even know what I'm angry about. And so what I know it is like, and some of y'all, you saying, man, that man's crazy. Well, y'all got anxiety in the place of it. <laughs> you don't even know why you worried. You just worried. About everything. My sister-in-law, you never walked away from her without saying, she said, watch out for the deals. You can go deer hunting, watch out for the deals. Okay, I will. I plan on it. She just worried about so many things. I, I, I know what it's like to not feel like I'm in control and that to be a terrible thing. And I also am learning to know what it feels like to not be in control and that to be just right. Just right. And what we really are afraid of is not being in control, all of us. That's why we fear losses of money and of health, of position, of prestige, of comfort. Because when those things get stripped away, we feel out of control. This morning, I want you to know that being out of control is God's plan for your life. But I don't mean wild and all over the place. I mean he wants to take your life in his direction, not yours. And anything that might be blocking that is what he wants to deal with. Anything. So this morning, I want to read one verse and refer to a whole bunch. It's being done on time thing makes me nervous, so y'all pray for me. I want to read one verse from Ephesians chapter 5 and verse number 18. This is what it says in the English Standard Version. A little bit later, I'm going to share with you two or three other versions because it's a really interesting verse. It says this, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Father, as we open your word, open our hearts. Plow us, Lord, and make for yourself a fertile field, and sow in us, and make it take root and bear fruit for your glory and for our good. Help us now, God. We know that to discern your word is a supernatural and spiritual issue, and we will not discern it in the flesh. We may understand the literature, but we'll miss the Savior. So help us now as only you can as we plow into and through your word. In Jesus we pray, amen and amen. Amen. I, I don't think the Holy Spirit gets talked about enough. Amen? I don't. You know, I always say, you know, the youth 
teenagers are third-class people in a church. They really are. Kids are cute. Old folks make the decision, and then teenagers get left out in the cold. Well, that's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, we, we give thanks to the Father, we seek the help of the Son, and we very rarely concentrate on the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit is God. Amen? Amen. He's God. I had somebody text me just yesterday, somebody from my fellowship was said, with the Holy Spirit being in heaven. Oh, on the surface level, that seems like a crazy question. Well, he's in the Godhead, of course he'll be in heaven. But I got what they were coming from, like, you know, isn't all his work here on earth? No. And so we just had this wonderful, I hate texting, I have fat thumbs. But we had this wonderful text conversation for a while where we discussed that back and forth. The Holy Spirit is God, and we just need to understand that. If you were to look in Acts chapter 19 when Paul, the Apostle Paul, makes his first visit to Ephesus, he met some of the disciples of what we believe to be John the Baptist. And when Paul asked as they had received the Holy Spirit, now you got to remember people came from all around to hear John the Baptist. John the Baptist said, repent, repent, prepare you the way for the Lord. And so these people had come, come into Jerusalem at some point and heard from John the Baptist, we believe, and they were disciples of his, and they were living a lifestyle of repentance. And, and in Ephesians chapter 19, verse number 1, the Apostle Paul says, you guys know about the Holy Spirit. That's my paraphrase. Verse 2, they says, no, we don't even know who you're talking about. I feel like I could walk into average Baptist church and I, <laughs> I can say, you know who the Holy Spirit, and we'd have information, but we'd be missing experience. We can say words, but they might be devoid of life. So I think it's important to talk about the Holy Spirit. I think it's important to talk about the Holy Spirit from all sorts of angles. But let me just say, this is the one I want to tackle today. Whatever fills you, controls you. I cannot tell you, and you guys, a lot of you guys know me on a personal level. I cannot tell you how many times I've been told, Timbo's, you full of it. I like to joke. If you know me at all, I love to have a good time. Whether the joke's on you or on me, I'm indifferent, as long as we have it. And so I've heard it many times. Tim, you full of it. I say, what? Full of what? I love to ask Christian people that when they say, Tim, you full of it. What what am I full of then? Because they know they meant something bad. And I'll say, go tell me. What, What do you mean there, brother? I would like for people to think of me and say, you're full of him. Wouldn't you like to think that? When people think of you, they say, man, that guy is full of him. We all need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I think that brings up a lot of questions. What is the filling of the Holy Spirit? Holy Spirit, what difference will that make in my life? How can I make it happen? And I think they're all questions worth exploring. But the question we want to deal with this morning is, are you filled with the Holy Spirit? That's the question you should be asking yourself. Am I full of the Holy Spirit? Am I full of him? So this power-packed verse, I just want to look at it for a moment. If you were to look at it in the New International Version, it would read like this. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. That's interesting. It's a very, very colorful Greek phrase there. It doesn't say just that it is debauchery, but it leads to it. If you look at it in the New Living Translation, it says don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. If you look at it in the message, the paraphrase called the message, it would say, don't drink too much wine. That cheapens your life. I have here a paper with all sorts of, of, of translations on it. The King James says, and be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess. 
Do not be drunk on wine because it will ruin your life. That has to be one of my favorites. I like the Berean study Bible. Listen to this one. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to reckless indiscretion on and on and on. The Holman Christian Standard Bible says, don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless actions. Don't raise your hand. Your neighbor might not understand. Any of you guys ever got drunk and made a bad mistake? I don't care if my neighbors don't understand. I've wound up on the front page of the paper. I'm a convicted felon because of continually getting drunk and continually making bad decision on top of bad decision on top of bad decision. If there was ever a verse that was written about the first half of my life, here's that right there. Don't get drunk with wine because it'll lead to reckless living. I was characterized by reckless living. I was filled with anger. I was filled with hurt. And because I was filled with those things, I'd want to drive them out of me. And so I would pour in heaping amounts of alcohol, self-medicating my problems. And then I'd get filled with booze. And the next thing you know, I was filled with trouble. Now, not everybody's violent. Some people, they just sit around and they feel bad and then they drink to stop feeling bad and then they get to a point where they feel worse. We know the story. And the story isn't even on drinking. So let's end it right there. The contrast between wine and the Holy Spirit in this case is simple. Whatever fills you controls you. Church, say amen. amen. Whatever fills you controls you. Think about a surgical glove. Put a hand in it. It's not the glove at work. It's the hand. Whatever fills you controls you. Some of y'all, Steve Evans, I can pull up proof on you. Somebody, some of y'all was watching that state Carolina game yesterday. And some of y'all are so full of Carolina. Some of y'all are so full of state that it controlled you and it led to reckless actions. You argued with, am I right or wrong? Some of y'all are so full of being Republican and some of y'all are so full of being Democrats you can't even talk about things because it controls you. Hitting too close to home now, ain't I? Some of y'all are so full of Ford and some of y'all are so full of Chevy you can't even have a decent conversation about our race. About people driving around in circles. Think about how ridiculous that is. You don't know who to pull for? Pull for the one that's going to cook your dinner. I eat none of them. Am I making my point? I mean, you saw it. I saw you comment trying to tell somebody, hey, man, calm down. You tripping. That's not Steve's words. He's educated. <laughs> he really was. He was like, hey, bro, I'm a Carolina fan. You're crazy. That's a summation. And the guy just wouldn't listen. He was so full of Carolina that that feeling had distorted his vision. It was controlling his tongue. Are y'all with me yet, church? Yeah. Do you understand where I'm coming from? Because I want to leave the wine alone and get on the spirit. But the case is here. The, the scripture is there. Don't be filled with wine. It leads to excessive living, reckless living, debauchery, excess. I'll say this much that whatever, whatever lowers your inhibition, it will control you and take you places that you would never go without it. Whatever that is. Some of us have been overcome with lust in our life. And it's lowered our inhibition and has taken us to deadly places in our relationships. Reckless living. You know I'm right, don't you? Some of us have been overcome with overeating. 
and it's been excess. I can tell you I ate so much turkey that whatever feels me is controlling me. Gobble, gobble, gobble. (laughs) Have I made my point? I want my introduction to be as long as my sermon and my invitation to be about that long too. So I hope I've made my point. The point of this verse is whatever fills you controls you. And there are many things, many things that will cheapen your life. Many things. I love that verse. I think it was from the Holman Standard Version, the Holman Christian Standard Bible. No, that's reckless actions, whichever one it was. One of them will ruin your life. New Living Translation will ruin your life. It will ruin your life. Now, here's the difference. Whatever God wants to do, God wants to bless your life. So, Let's get the work of the enemy out front here. What's the enemy want to do? Anything he can do to keep you away from the Lord. Anything he can do. So whether for you it's drunkenness or for you it's shoppingness or whether for you it's too many hobbies. Some of us are just drunk on hobbies. We just do too much. We so drunk. Some of y'all is drunk on crafting. I mean, you can't even walk through your house because there's 17,000 craft items in your house. Some of y'all are workaholics. You work so much because you don't want to face anything else, and working's legal, so you just go do that. Here's my point, though. Don't miss the point. The devil doesn't care what it takes to keep you from being controlled by the Holy Spirit as long as you're not controlled by the Holy Spirit. He don't care what thing he might have. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. If it's anxiety or drunkenness or workaholicism or shoppingisms or just being a busybody always in other folks' business, he don't care what he's got to use as long as he's got you away from the Lord. Are you with me, church? Say amen. amen. Whatever feels you controls you. And you look at what's at stake. If you look at Ephesians chapter 5, we see there in verse Verse 15, what, what God wants to do is, you know, he wants us to walk in love and he wants to give us wisdom for living in this evil age. Verse 17 tells us that God wants us to understand his will. Verse 19 tells us that he wants us to have a joyful heart filled with singing to the Lord. Verse 20 says he wants us to have a heart filled with thankfulness. Verse 21 says he wants to, us to have an attitude of mutual submission. That's the message for you married folks. For both of y'all, it ain't about the man being over the woman or the woman being over the man. It's about Jesus being over both of you. Your culture would put women, would pit women against me and the Holy Spirit would say, won't y'all both just get with me? On and on and on. See, whatever feels you control you and there's many things that will lead you to reckless living. But what God wants to lead you to is powerful, spirit-filled, worship-filled peace-filled, love-filled living. And that's what we're really talking about is the result that comes out of this. If drunkenness leads to dissipation, excess, debauchery, if it will ruin your life, if it's reckless indiscretion, if it leads to dissipation and reckless actions and wild living and wickedness and corruption, one translation, the Amplified Bible, even says it leads to stupidity. How many of y'all were raised in that generation you were taught that's an ugly word? My grandma said, don't you say that. Amplified version said it leads to stupidity. Wow, that's a strong word. One paraphrase even said, many evils lie along that path. And so here's the secret of life. The secret of life is don't be filled with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Why not be filled with wine? Because it leads to so much bad news. 
Don't be filled with anything, though, we could say, if it's going to block you from being filled with the Holy Ghost. We should note here four quick things. Number one, this is a command. This is a command. It's a New Testament. Be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Okay, so if some of y'all walked in this morning and said, I don't feel very filled with the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is telling you, well, get filled. You say, well, I don't know what it'll take. I'm going to tell you, first thing it'll take is giving up control. It's a command. Be filled. Whatever's in your way, tell it to get out of the way. It's also present tense. What do I mean by that? It means like, you could say it like this, be being filled. That'd be a better way to say it in English, but it's sort of confusing. Always be being filled. In other words, don't just go get a dose of Jesus. Some of us do that. We get a dose of Jesus on Sunday morning, and then we hope that dose will last till next Sunday morning. Then we get a Jesus inoculation. <laughs> Preacher, make it a good sermon. It's going to be a long week. Don't depend on your preacher. We stink. We stand in the exact same need of God's help that you do. No more or no less. We might have ministerial training, theological education, but you know we need Jesus just as much as y'all do. Did y'all know that? And some of y'all have known preachers that needed Jesus more than you. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> I have. Always, always, always be being filled with the Holy Spirit. I was one of those smart aleck kids. You know what I'm saying? I, I love to be a smart, well, I'm a smart aleck adult. And I had this one grandma who loved to laugh, and I had this other grandma who did not love to laugh. And whew, sometimes I would forget which one of them's house I was at. And so. I would. And so I'd do these things that would get me in trouble. Like you say, my grandma might say, go get in, go get in the wood. Well, I'd just come, I'd walk all the way out of the shed and just come back with one piece of wood. She, she cooked on a wood stove until she became really infirm. Cooked on a wood stove. She had to split it, split it, split it until it was small, right? I'd walk all the way out of the shed and just come back with one piece of wood, you know, and loudly drop it in that big bucket behind the stove. Clang, clang. What are you doing, boy? I went and got the wood. You know what I meant. I thought it was funny. She didn't. A lot of us are living in our Christian life like that. We go get a little bit of Jesus. And we're not doing it for human. We just don't want him invading so much. And here's a core issue of receiving this command. He's saying, always be getting me all the time. Always be being filled every day, all day. Don't make your Christian life just something that can be defined by a certain time, a certain place, listening to a certain person. Relate to me 24-7, 365. Always be being filled. It's a command in its present tense. And it's also, if there's an English teacher in the room, too bad, this is Greek. It's also in the passive voice. What's that mean? It's not telling you to go grit your teeth and be a better Christian. What it's saying is let God fill you. In other words, in this verse is hidden the secret of Christian living. Live a surrendered life. Be being filled by letting him be filling you. We could say so much about that. The Holy Spirit is willing. I know it because that's his role. 
And we must, we must, you know, the thing is you got to make yourself available to God. When's the last time you've done that? When's the last time you just got down on your knees and said, God, do in me, with me, through me, and to me anything in the world you desire? Don't answer it to me. I mean, honestly, though, when was the last time you had that kind of prayer? I didn't grow up in church. Anybody didn't grow up in church besides me? I didn't grow up in church. Wow. Praise God. Either you're lying, you're lazy, or you grew up in church. Praise the Lord. Some people say, I ain't raising my hand. I don't know what he's going to do. I didn't grow up in church. Came to the Lord in my living room, just desperately sick of myself. Anybody ever been there just sick of yourself? Y'all won't tell it. I will. On my knees in my living room, begging God to do a work in my life. And I prayed something. It wasn't very eloquent, but it's been my prayer every day since. I say, you my daddy and I'm your boy. Do with me whatever you want to do. I pray that every day. I'm your daddy. I mean, you're my daddy and I'm your boy. Sometimes I'll even say, God, what do you want to do today? I mean, I know what I got to do, but I'm willing for you to change my plans. I'm like a little boy. I want to be like a little boy. I came out to play ball, but if you want to get in wood. Some days the opposite, Lord, I'm planning on getting in wood and you want to play ball. You're my daddy and I'm your little boy. Do with me today whatever you want to do. Every day, and I have this other prayer every day. I get up and after I, you know, scratch my head and stumble around for a little minute, I have this humorous prayer. I say, Lord, please let the devil be somewhere right now going, oh, God, Tim's up. <laughs> I want to give the devil a prayer like, that boy's up again. <laughs> and it's hard to live like this. It's hard to live like this because there's so much I want to do. And this is a life of submission. Friends, I'm here to tell you, whatever fills you controls you. And you know what else? It's, it's in the plural form. It's like if you'll let me, allow me, it's like he's saying, and don't y'all get drunk with wine, for that's reckless living for all y'all, but all y'all be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be being filled. In other words, he's not asking you to live a lone ranger spirit existence. It's a command to the whole church to all the time be surrendered to the Lord and letting the Holy Spirit fill and control your life. There it is. There it is. There's a, there's a whole crux of the issue. So now we understand the educational side of it. I wonder, can we deal with the application side of it? F.B. Meyer said it came down to three C words. He didn't say it like that. I did. He just gave me the three C words. He said, if you're going to apply this, it comes down to three issues. You ready? You note takers, you want to put this down. Number one, it's an issue of control. If a person is filled with anger, anger is going to control their life. If a person is full, filled with greed, then greed dominates his life. If a man is filled with love, then love influences everything that person does. If a person is filled with selfishness, then self-centeredness rules their existence. Who has or what has control over your life? Who has or what has control over your life? Can I give you all a political illustration? They say don't talk about politics or religion during Thanksgiving. And so the first thing I did was sit down and looked at my great niece. And I said, do you think Donald Trump loves Jesus? Boy, that started something. 
But good news is we only have one bathroom in my house covered. We find out really quickly who's in control of our life. Our lives are like a tube of toothpaste. We get a little pressure and we find out whatever comes out is exactly what was in us. Whatever's in the well comes up in the bucket. I had, a, I had trouble stopping cursing. Anybody in here ever had that struggle? struggle? Thank you. I, my, man, I, I don't expect, I have some honest women. Wow. It's usually the men. Thank you, ladies. I felt better. I, and, and, and it was hard because I didn't know how to forget those words. And I had applied them so many times in so many situations that the application seemed normal. And it was a great spiritual and physical war to overcome foul language. I'm not saying I'm perfected. I don't, if you hear me saying that, you're not listening. But I'm telling you, just there's one arena of my life. I went to work one week. I was working. We were working a shutdown, and I was so frustrated with my mouth that I vowed that if I couldn't answer it with Scripture, I wouldn't say anything for a week. Well, it's hard to tell somebody what you did with a come along with a Bible verse. <laughs> Go ye yonder to a far land, <laughs> to the land that the Lord will show you. <laughs> But I was resolved. I was sick of the way I was talking. And I wanted God to give me a new speech. I've been at the place where I've been sick of the way I was thinking. How do you stop thinking when you don't like the way you're thinking, but you keep thinking it? And I found that there are seasons in your life you absolutely have to live at the altar. Corporately and at home too. Where you're just begging God, pouring in new stuff to work with because whatever's in you is going to come out. And if it ain't in you, it won't come out. Problem is, all the stuff you got in you that you need the Holy Spirit to fill you so much that it drives it out. It's an issue of control. Who controls you? It's an issue of cooperation. What in the world do y'all think God wants to do with your life? He wants to bless you. Just cooperate with him. Somebody say amen. Amen. Are you willing to cooperate with me now? And the crowd decides, I guarantee you, there's somebody in here who's had a call to ministry or missions or, or to, 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 to make a big step in your life, and you've been denying it for years. Stuff like that. I mean, we just do stuff like that. Reconcile with somebody. Like somebody say, I forgive them, but I ain't have nothing else to do with them. Well, that ain't forgiveness. Forgiveness is not only forgiving them, but reconciling with them, bringing them back to the point of healthy relationship. That's why we need the cross, to pay the debt. And to restore the debtor. You see that? Just cooperate with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit wants to bring love and peace between you and whoever that is. Holy Spirit wants to bring peace in the situation. Let God have his way. And then contact. If you're not close to God, if you're not close to the Holy Spirit, if you're not in contact with him, it's no wonder he's not working in your life. Our greatest need. Let me speed to a close. I just noticed the time. Our greatest need is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You want to know? You, you got, I don't know. I don't know, okay? Is the it, is it head of the finance committee in the room? Raise your hand. God bless you. All right, you know, I got a household budget. Stresses me out. Amen? Got a budget in my life matters. Stresses me out. Got a budget, East Rock doesn't stress me out. We're always broke. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. We're always broke, so it's nothing to stress me out. Is that money bothering you? What money? 
You know the greatest need for y'all's finances in this local church? You know the greatest need? If this church got filled with the Holy Ghost, but anything you want to do for God's glory, it'd be there. Anybody still got kids at home no matter what age? Anybody got kids at home? Now, you, you keep your hands up at this next question. Do they worry you sometimes? <laughs> I got one takes her driver's thing Monday. <laughs> you know what the greatest need for my parenting is? You know what the greatest need for my children walking with, with their parents? You know what it is? Be filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. You know your greatest need for this pulpit is to have somebody filled with the Holy Ghost. You know the greatest need there is in Washington, D.C. right now? They get filled with the Holy Ghost. Any of y'all got kids starting school next year? Or grandkids? You know your greatest need for a teacher isn't where she got her education or he got his education is that they be filled with the Holy Ghost. Not say they appreciate your kids, you say they love your kids because ain't nobody going to love your kids like God loves your kids. Our greatest need is to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Anybody facing a health issue, your greatest need is to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Whether God keeps you here suffering or takes you home, you need the Holy Ghost. Our greatest need is the Holy Spirit. Anybody struggling in temptation, your greatest need is the Holy Spirit. Anybody wanting to grow in your faith, your greatest need is the Holy Spirit. I don't know how to bring it to a a more simple close than that. Some of y'all need to pray this morning, something this simple. Lord, I'm empty and I need to be filled with your Holy Spirit. Some of y'all need to pray, Lord, I'm, I'm open to you and let your Spirit fill me now. Some of y'all need to repent and say, I've wanted to be in control or this thing has had control over me. And I turn away from it and I turn myself to you. Because what God wants to do is to send his Spirit to empower you to live for Jesus in this world. The greatest need we have is the Holy Ghost. The Lord Jesus promised to send him, and he promised that when he came, he would reveal Christ to us. Do you know that's the chief work of the Holy Spirit Church, that whatever you're doing, that, 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 that the Holy Spirit is revealing Christ's lordship in that moment? And if he's revealing Christ's lordship in that moment, the struggle is, will I be surrendered to this lordship in this moment? Any of y'all ever near about bit your tongue, slap out of your mouth? I do that more and more these days because of this issue. The Holy Spirit saying, Jesus is not being Lord over what you're getting ready to say. I literally did it the other day. I tasted blood in my mouth. I had bit my tongue because somebody said something made me hopping mad. They made that old Timbo's mad. Knuckles up, fangs out. And the Holy Ghost saying, hey, wait a minute, How, what would Jesus do? And the old Timbo's going, right now we don't care. <laughs> Holy Ghost wouldn't let me go. I like to bit my tongue, slap out of my mouth. Fighting mad. And I tell you, I hadn't been two hours, got off the phone with a friend, said I was coming to preach. God said, preach on that Ephesians 5, 18, put it to my heart like that, and it happened. Who knew that moment was coming? The Holy Ghost. You see what I'm saying? What's controlling your life? Whatever's filling you is controlling you. 
What do you need to bring down to this altar this morning? This is the issue. Whatever fills you will control you. If I set a fifth of Jack Daniels up here and I emptied the bottle and filled the belly, y'all can guarantee you in a little while <laughs> that Jack Daniels would be talking. I'd be 10 foot tall and bulletproof again, wouldn't I? Truth be told, if y'all let the Holy Spirit have control, something is going to happen in your life, but it'll be for God's glory and it will be for your good. Even if it drives out stuff that's been running your life. I'm not going to try to manipulate this, this time of invitation. I'm going to trust the Holy Spirit to speak to you in just the way he needs to speak to you. Are you in despair? Surrender. Are you in rebellion? Surrender. Are you hurting? Surrender. Are you confused? Surrender. And just say, God, be the boss. You my daddy. I'm your boy. I'm your girl. Do whatever you want with me today, Dad. Father, thank you for a time to stand behind this sacred desk and to open your word. May the simplicity of this message be used by the Holy Spirit to pierce us all the way through till it touches that place that makes us come crying to you and asking our dad for help. In Jesus I pray, amen and amen. Please stand and sing hymn number 607, What a Day That Will Be.